So hi everybody, you are listening to The Exchange by Evolution. It's a melting pot of ideas and inspirations shared by some of the most successful leaders in the APEC region. I'm Jermaine, Senior Consultant with Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect businesses with top tech talent, and today I'm your host. So basically, just a disclaimer before we get into the, dis- the discussion of the day. All thoughts and views spoken by any of the speakers or myself are solely representing each individual and not that of their company that they're working at. So welcome to another installment of our podcast. So on today's podcast, we will be discussing the various collaborative approaches to medtech innovation. And joining me today, I'm very happy to have um, people that are building the future of this medtech ecosystem. I first have Kenneth, um, who's basically the software development manager at Obvio Health. And joining us again, as well, we have um, Mark, who is the faculty head, um, fellowship head at Singapore Biodesign, and he's also appointed at NUS as a senior lecturer. So I think it's going to be a really, really exciting episode, and I'm really, very excited to delve into the topic with our industry leaders about their insights and experiences and what they see in this space. So whether you're a seasoned expert or you know just starting to explore this topic, you're definitely in for a treat. So please sit back, relax, and let's get started. So to begin, it would be really helpful and, you know, to have each of the panelists briefly introduce yourselves. So perhaps we can start with, um, you know, our first speaker, Kenneth, um, you know, sharing a little bit more about our background, you know, uh, where you're working at, also the kind of uh, work that your company is working on as well. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Kenneth. I've been in the medtech space for about six, seven years now. So across a wide range of companies from like early stage startup, you know, where we're finding like a product market fit, working with like a medical device manufacturer, you know, um, with the actual factory floor. And, um, you know, currently at Overhealth, where we are building uh, decentralized clinical trial software. So um, taking the idea of like uh, clinical trials, you know, away from the traditional kind of physical site model to something that can be, you know, from the comfort of the patient's home. Yeah. And uh, something very interesting, you know, that later on we can share more about as well. I'm definitely excited to find out more. So on, on Mark, um, can you give us a brief introduction about yourself and help our audience know you a little bit better as well? Sure. Thanks, Shabine. Oh, and uh, well, before I start, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting. Uh, well, no my problem. name is Mark. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with uh, Singapore Bar Design. Uh, for uh, for the audience who is not familiar with Singapore Bar Design, we are a national platform that is, uh, that is uh, there's a mandate to, to train uh, folks in the medtech ecosystem. Um, with regards to innovating innovations in med tech or, or health tech in general. Um, so myself, a bit of background, I started off as a mechanical engineer, uh, did my PhD in stem cells and regenerative medicine um, before embarking on the Singapore Stanford Bar Design Fellowship back in 2017. So I guess uh, where I come from is uh, having looked at uh, different areas uh, ranging from biotech all the way through to med tech. Um, you know, leading some of those those uh, experiences there and uh, finding out stuff that um, perhaps we find as lacking in the ecosystem. And uh, now I'm also trying to bring that into the university where, where we teach uh, biomedical engineers um, to, well, to, to really feed into the ecosystem to, to plug those gaps. Oh, a very interesting background as well. So clearly we have from academia to industry. So I think it's a very good, um, definitely a very good space where, you know, each of you all can share your ideas. And I'm sure our audience will be really excited to hear, you know, what are actually, what exactly is the medtech space about and what are the various innovations that, you know, um, you know, our companies and individuals are actually working on in terms of projects. So yeah, let's 
definitely get let's get started. So maybe um on on you guys and you know you have been in this space for quite some time. Um, what what's your kind of you know I would say take in in this industry in terms of you know the trends and advancements? I'm sure with AI with like so many things coming about, a lot of things has been kind of you know evolving quickly and maybe more quickly than they should. And um on on your end, you know how are they actually impacting various like healthcare outcomes? Perhaps uh, you know Mark or or, or um, Kenneth, you guys can start the ball rolling with that. After you, Mark. <laughs> sure, I'll probably try to give a uh, you know start start a ball rolling and uh, kind of do chip in if you feel there's any difference, right? Or uh, if yeah. you have any different opinions. But um, I, I guess some of the things that we are also thinking about. Uh, of course, these are really nice buzzwords, right? Digital health, uh, AI, machine learning, uh, big data, bioinformatics, and I, I think uh, it's it's all very nice and promising. Uh, there's a lot of uh, very exciting technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there's also this observation that there are still a couple of major uh, stumbling blocks, right? So uh, in terms of trying to get things out into the markets, of course, the regulations is uh, still uh, playing catch up. Um, but uh, mm. besides that, I think uh, something that we are really all looking forward to is um, like what Jermaine, you were talking about, outcomes. Um, uh, outcomes take a while to establish in, in, in healthcare. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, so we... We are still waiting on that uh, to to see you know really good cost effective um, products mm. which actually deliver value in in this uh, to the to the ecosystem, but I suppose that's where Kenneth can can uh, provide some solutions as well. Uh, Kenneth, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, I think it's it's really you know interesting you know given that you know when I started back in twenty sixteen, I think the whole uh, meta industry in Singapore like from a startup standpoint was still very mm. nascent, right? Yep. You know. Uh, there was interest, but I think that like in terms of figuring out how to penetrate in the local market, that was something that, you know, we had to kind of work out from scratch. You mm. know? And uh, I'm very happy, you know, to see that in the modern day, like, you know, you have more, you have many programs, accelerators that actually give you access to like uh, clinicians or like a hospital kind of network where you can mm. start to kind of test bit your ideas and your technologies. So I think that really kind of gives um, new companies, you know, a leg up. In terms of you know now there is an established framework which you know we can uh we can test with the ideas you know and it's not mm. that you know it's going to be like a one shot and you're going to get into the market right but you're able to iterate uh much faster on that yeah yeah sounds very interesting i think that the, the, you spoke about the different environments that you have now compared to back in like 2016 when the market was a lot more let's say was pretty much um, dormant. Now it's like uh, everyone is like talking about med tech, and you know a lot of people have, you know been kind of watching out what's uh, what's there to see in this space. And I think whether engineers or you know um, folks are like within the industry, academias like um, you know Mark, uh, you guys have been obviously watching this space. So how would you say that you know in terms of uh, um, like this space, um, in terms of how it's growing and its trajectory, and how the um, academia and industry can further kind of you know collaborate to potentially accelerate outcomes do you think it's um ongoing collaboration that's going well or you know any kind of say room for improvement on that end of things yeah so I, well maybe i'll just uh, get a ball rolling again um yeah and uh well i i think uh Jermaine, you, you brought up some very interesting points right that's uh um that's in, in fact, there's always been this very big interest in healthcare and medtech yeah. in general, right? I, I think ever since 2000, when the Human Genome Project uh, was nearing completion, everybody was uh, was trying to jump onto this bandwagon. 
So I, I don't think the hype uh, has uh, has built up. In fact, it's actually kind of subsided up uh, somewhere around 2010, 2015, in a way that, uh, in, in a sense that um, there was a bit of, uh, you, you know how the hype, hype cycle works, right? People suddenly realize that it's not going to deliver on, on all on all accounts. Uh, but uh, yep. what's, what's kind of nice there is that uh, those that have survived, those uh, projects or those uh, initiatives that have survived mm. beyond that, um, they are really beginning to deliver value down, right? Um, so um, the interesting thing that's uh, perhaps the, the observation why why we feel that there's a there's a pickup again. Uh, perhaps uh, while COVID nineteen was not a nice thing to have uh, in in general, right? But um, yep. some some of the silver linings are there's a renewed optimism and renewed um, confidence actually in our uh, ability to deliver innovations in this space. So um, yeah. Uh, but uh, what's what's needed now to actually to to deliver on that? So I guess is is to make sure that we have talent, uh, sufficient yep. talent yep. to to feed this. So I, I think um, to me I, I feel that's the gap that that's uh, that that's that still exists. Um, and um, yeah, defining what talent we need uh, and mm-hmm. uh, figuring out how we are going to deliver on that talent. That's uh, a big piece of the puzzle, right? But um, yeah. Uh, I see yeah. Kenneth is clearly nodding his head, so point. he must be agreeing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the point on talent, do you have any um, uh, thoughts on that, Kenneth? I mean, because you are you yeah. yourself are a hiring manager, right? I'm, I'm sure talent is a big piece that you probably have to yeah. deal with. <laughs> yeah, and like I think um, it's interesting as well, you know, because um, part of it is like public perception, right? Mm. You know, like, um, and the teams that are built, like three teams, you know, over these uh, six, seven years, you know, I think uh, we are getting much more traction. Like I used to run a small team of about five, and it was 10, and then now it's about 20, 30. So I think that, you know, uh, MedTech is like becoming a more viable career. You know, people are very interested. I think, um, you know, because they feel that, hey, you know, I can really make a difference, um, make an impact on society, you know. And, uh, yep. you know, like fresh graduates nowadays, you know, they are more mission-driven, right? Yes. And, um I think they do look out stuff that hey, you know, they feel that they can give back to society as well, right? Yeah. And of course, um, think that. But one of the challenges is that you know, um, helping them realize also that you know that you can come and learn and grow on the job, right? You know, yeah. I think a lot of people are are pretty scared, you know, when you think of medtech because it's like oh, you know, it's something that I didn't study, right? Mm, and know that fair. Singaporean kind of uh focus is like yeah, I know I did this degree, so now I must join like this industry give it a shot for like five years, right? Mm. And I think that uh, that's valid to a certain point, you know, depending on what you're studying, right? And, yep. but also, um, you know, like um, getting that exposure, you know, when you are in the first like five years of career is so important, you know, be like uh, exposure across like different departments or different cultures, right? And that will really set um, you know, the foundation for your career later on. Yeah. So like, um, you know, for us at Open Health, uh, you know, we have quite a structured training program, especially around mm. understanding like industry knowledge in clinical trials, because yep. it's a totally like different universe, you know, that most people, I don't think there's a module in, in school for that, right? At least <laughs> yeah. not when I study, not. right? Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's quite specialized. Yeah, so we have we have that kind of bring people up to speed. Yeah, mm. and you know, I think we have, we also recruit people from different industries, uh, like a FinTech, you know, from banking, where people from IT consultancies as well. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is helping them realize that, hey, you know, the skills I learned in other industries are also transferable across mm. to building 
enterprise software for clinical trials. Right. I think that's a very good kind of, you know, in terms of like the environment, at least um, I can't say for the rest of the companies, but at least that's what Outview Health is trying to do. And like, you know, basically providing people like a, a springboard or like stepping board for them to, you know, work on impactful products. And I think that's a very, very kind of, I mean, at least it's an openness to letting people kind of have a first hand of what it's going to be like. So for yourself, I mean, um, you know, you've been, um, you, you mentioned that you grew the team um, um, in six to seven years from um, a few developers to currently you have around 30 people, right? Um, you yeah. mentioned. So I think most, most of it, um, did they not come with industry experience, I assume? Yeah, I would say like 90, 90% of them, you know, oh, they okay. come like from medtech or like, you know, from bioengineering mm-hmm. or biomedical engineering. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, but um, you know, for us, because we are building like software, building medical devices, so we look for people yeah. with like solid engineering experience or like you know exposure. Right. They can come in and right. learn okay. the industry-specific practices. Mm, okay, I think that makes sense because I guess that the tool is the same. It's just in terms of industry, the product you're working on is different. But I guess that the tool itself, foundationally, computer science background, that, that doesn't really change. So yeah. I, I guess that's why you're pretty much open to people to, as long as they're open to, you know, they're keen on working on impactful products that are, you know, changing the ecosystem. The, the vision is there. The goal is there. Align with the business and that's are people that you would consider. Yeah. And like maybe to add right. a bit on that, you know, like the technical requirements, that's like the basics, Right. right? But we're mm. looking for people with that kind of product focus, you know, with that sense of ownership, mm. you know. Yeah. And, you know, this because this is a product that you're going to be building for the long term. And then decisions yep. we need to make, you know, they need to, mm. uh, we need to put a long term focus as well. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's very important, you know, getting the right people so that when you have yep. a critical mass, you know, and um, that makes the teams gel much better, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, everyone must have like an ownership in the product. So that's our focus here at Opio Health. Right, right. Okay. I think that makes a lot of a lot of sense. And in, in terms of like the kind of projects and, you know, products that Opio Health is doing and, you know, um, also, you know, with Mark, the kind of like, you know, obviously on the uh, academia side, you've done a lot of research. And how how does that, um, um you, do, do you guys like, you know, kind of like work together in terms of like, you know, with academia and industry on, on working on like excelling products or, you know, what kind of collaboration has been ongoing between, between these two spaces? Are they very working in very siloed environment or, you know, in terms of cross-collaboration, there's a lot of crossover. Like, how is it like? All right. Maybe I can share a little bit on and, and switch hats to my more, to to, to university kind of um, settings. Uh, mm. So some of the things that we do as, as well as to encourage kind of uh, collaborative research programs. Um, and okay. uh, you, you do find some of the uh, big programs which are uh, uh, aimed at uh, looking at more basic research. But it also ranges all the way through to um, students, uh, student projects, which are more episodic, um, targeted at, at specific uh, needs or that the industry might have. Um, mm. And this again range from you know uh, working with uh, MNCs and SMEs uh, who have uh, specific projects, um, and more than the projects, they're also hoping to look for to to expand their, their talent pipeline as well, right? Uh, to, right. To reach to to reach at the source. Um, yep. But it also it also goes all the way through to uh, more volunteer uh, volunteer organizations. Um, in uh, NUS uh, biomedical engineering, for example, we have an initiative called Be Good, um, and it's uh, one of the our, our, one of the things that we do is to actually work with uh, local communities uh, to try to develop solutions for um, perhaps uh, assistive technologies for um, uh, for for um, 
in well visually dis- uh, visually handicapped as well for example right right so yeah those, those are just ways in which we try to provide a bit more real life settings and uh, provide opportunities for for students to be trained in uh, in skills which will be a bit more relevant when they move out to the real world mm. uh, hopefully those who have been hopefully those uh, fast trained engineers will be more useful for you Kenneth Yep. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, yeah. that's a hunting ground. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I do, I do know a few like uh, like SP trained guys. You know, I think they are, they are in the medical device space now. Very interesting, mm. you know. And uh, I feel that that program is really uh, comprehensive. You know, because back in the day, you know, what we were trying to figure out is that hey, you know, is our software even a medical device? Right, that's the first thing. And then right, next thing right. is like, well, who do we sell it to? And then you know. Um, who ultimately kind of pays for that, you know? Mm. And that's a whole like a, you know, rabbit hole that you go down. It's a very long, very protracted like discovery process to go down <laughs> on your own. Yeah. So it definitely helps that you know if you have that structured framework, you know, that you can work yeah. with, and um, you know that it's not that you don't have questions, but you know your questions are more uh, targeted, right? Yeah. And you know, ideally, you know, you would know who to ask within the ecosystem. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Wow. So basically, Mark's developing the, the medtech talents of tomorrow and Kenneth is helping to basically yeah. make use of the right talent and actually build on, you know, um, you know, building yeah. on that, working on really impactful products that can be actually changing the way healthcare works in the future. So, so Mark exciting. was actually my uh, lecturer when I was back at NTU, you know. My but God. I, wish, you know, I wish he had joined like a standard <laughs> biodesign earlier, you know. So I wouldn't have to go through that whole kind of like painful process. Yeah. <laughs> wow, interesting. Wow, so that you guys have like kind of like a, a long relationship standing since um, back, back in the day when you were a student. Wow. Yeah. So now I just want to jump in to, to, to bring up one point, right? Uh, mm. And I, I suppose the the interesting thing that, uh, that, that the conversation kind of uh, led towards was uh, a kind of emphasis on hard skills and uh, what is it that you need to have in order to do a job properly. But um, at the same time, I, and this is where I'm hoping to get some thoughts from both of you as well. Um, in, in terms of um, how, how, what's the perception of uh, learning these skills, these, uh, you know, picking up these skills on demand, right? Um, you know, if Jermaine uh, was talking about uh, basics in, in programming and coding, um, but uh, I'm, I'm also wondering whether that's, that, you know, effectively sums up uh, and I know it doesn't. It doesn't sum up computer science or computer engineering at all. Uh, it's a requisite skill, but uh, mm. it's not a be all and, and all. Um, and if we flip it the other way, if we find that there's somebody who who later on develops an interest in in getting into the field, how what what's the perception on on the ability of this of these people to pick up these skills along the way? Yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in like you know getting. Um, you know, hiring people that have the right skill sets, right? And when I mean skill sets, I mean like, you know, they can do the job, not just based mm. on like um, academic kind of qualifications. Mm. And, you know, even in our company, you know, we have um, quite a few people that actually come from like a kind of boot camp setup, right? Where they, they did a six-month boot camp uh, right. with one of these providers, right? And, you know, right. they entered the industry and then, you know, they kind of picked up the skills along the way. Yeah, mm. I think that, you know, it, it's a really great avenue, you know, and, you know, uh, these people that, you know, they have interest, you know, over time, they're able to build a viable career out there. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think that most people can, right? But, you know, in the academic context, you know, with technology moving so fast, 
you know, now you have like a chat GPT and all that, right? Oh. So I'm not sure, you know, how how viable it would be, you know, to kind of uh, have that curriculum in school. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think that's a kind of good point. I mean, even like, you know, in my role as a recruiter, I think um, a lot of times like when my clients are open to, you know, speaking to candidates that are, you know, they are, might they might not have the relevant industry experience, but they feel that all these things can, can be picked up, um, especially in the current ar- arena where, you know, as long as you've got a strong, solid foundation in terms of, um, you know, your skills are already at a certain level, um, in terms of moving into like um, scalability and everything, all these can be trained as long as this person is in the right environment and um, picking that up as a kind of you know um, um, as as time goes by, it should be pretty much um, intuitive to the person as long as you know the skills is there, the willingness is there, um, the scalability is really the in terms of the environment he or she is in, and I think that is something that can be kind of you know shaped more or less. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's a very good point that you know you brought up, Mark, because between academia to industry, there's there's just still 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 a gap, right? For sure for a lot of people um but i think like on 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 that note i wanted to you know kind of you know get um, both your um you know your headspace in terms of like the kind of um challenges facing the med tech industry because i spoke to quite a few people in in this space before and a lot of them uh, mentioned that it's because um the runway for this for you know building a med tech product for example it's you basically can't really see an end and um it's just a very very long process um so when people join they have to you know have that mindset that you know you're not gonna achieve things overnight i mean as with many places you don't achieve things overnight but specifically within this space things things probably take a little bit longer than 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 you more most products at least because there's a lot of like you know clinical trial testing um auditing requirements compliance so probably the kind of layers of hurdles that you uh, you know one has to cross as um you know a, a developer within the space a business person within this space uh, or an academia person within this space that's a lot more kind of authentication and everything that you know he or she needs to go through so um besides um are these do, do you do you guys see any other challenges that are you know potentially like one of like the biggest challenge that is within this industry that is uh, you know I would say a, a high barrier to entry for people. Okay, maybe I'll just uh, I'll I'll just start uh, I'll I'll just start first I guess. Um, yeah. Good thing about having high barriers to entry I guess is that you also keep others, you know, you keep away the fast followers, right? So true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two ways it, to see it. <laughs> yeah. So if I've already had five years of clinical data, um, it'll take another five years for somebody else to have that five years. And by that time, they have five years, I have 10. So I, I suppose it's in a way we, you can stay ahead of the curve um, because of mm. high barriers to entry as well. Um, but um, it's, it's not all, obviously it's all, not all rosy, right? Um, I, I think uh, what Jermaine, you were pointing out uh, is stuff that uh, we've spent the better part of the past 15, 20 years figuring out, right? Uh, in, in the good old days, we used to think that the technology was the most important thing. So we find that mm. uh, a lot of money was thrown into research. Um, the first innovators tried to bring their research out and they were told that uh, intellectual property, look, you guys aren't protecting it, why? So the next thing you, you realize everybody's filing patents, right? Um, mm-hmm. And subsequently, you realize that uh, when you try to get it in products and uh, things are regulated and you and you have to kind of retrospectively recreate what you've done in the past five years uh, for, for your submissions. And I suppose the next thing that we are beginning to realize now is that reimbursements is, is a big uh, issue, right, in, in terms of health financing. Um, long story short, I, I think um, uh, in the past, is, is the we are, we are getting killed by all these, you know, in prototyping, we always talk about uh, what you know you know and what you know you don't know. 
um, in the past, we were getting killed a lot by all the things that we didn't even know that, did, that right. we didn't know. Exist. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, the nice thing and a little bit of soft sell, I guess, for stem for Singapore bar design. Uh, we've tried to incorporate a lot of all those learnings into a kind of right. framework. Yeah. So we try to front load a lot of the considerations and uh, yeah, instead of mm. looking at them mm. as barriers to overcome. Uh, another way to mm. see it is that each time you overcome one of these barriers, you're creating value for your company as well. So, you know, uh, securing patents, True. that's value. <laughs> Getting regulation, sure. well, that's value. That's yeah. value. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's how, that's, that's the way that we, we kind of look at it a bit more optimistically. Do you have anything to add on to that, Kenneth? Yeah, maybe just to chime in, I think, you know, um, like in the MedTech startup, you know, there are like many hats generally for people to wear. So I guess, you know, Whoever you hire, you must have that flexibility as well. You know, like, you know, one day I may be doing product development, tomorrow I may be doing like quality or regulatory submissions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, ability to context switch, you know, especially at a, a small company where you have a team of like five to 10 people, that's really important, right? And, you know, um, the one advantage that we startups have, you know, like uh, versus big companies is we can run very fast, right? Yep. But of course, the key thing is also making sure that we're running in the right direction, you know, we're not running yeah. in circles. Yeah. And I think where, you know, like uh, Mark comes in, you know, where, uh, you know, the Stanford Biodesign or Singapore Biodesign program comes in is that it provides you with that kind of like funnel, you know, so that, hey, we know we're running in this general direction, right? And we have cleared a lot of these checkpoints, uh, regulatory, you know, be like reimbursements, you know, we have that kind of like a knowledge bank to kind of draw on, you know, and with that, um, it's more of like falling forward, you know, rather than just like falling on your feet. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And and with that, you, you know, you guys have been in this space for so long. If someone wants to, you know, um, potentially consider a career within this space, what do you think, you know, it's probably like the most important for this person to have? Like some of the qualities or I would say qualities because skills can be developed. But what kind of qualities would you say, you know, would this person embody? I would say like, uh, you know, openness, you know, being open to learn mm-hmm. and change, you know, as the startup grows, you know, and you get closer, right. closer and closer to like commercialization, you know, your role will mm. change as well, right? And, you yep. know, uh, like you we were once, like when you joined the company, you were an individual contributor, you may have end up uh, managing people, right? Mm. Managing deliverables and uh, figuring out how to make that work for you is also like a challenge in itself. You no, know, while the company is growing, right? And I think yeah. people also have to understand that, like, uh, that nature of startups where things are always changing and they have to be really comfortable, uh, like, you know, year to year, your role may be very different in a startup, especially if it continues to grow. People mm. uh, may be higher under you, people may be higher above you, you know, mm. and, um, you know, finding ways to adapt to that new, ever changing structure, you know, that's the only way, in my opinion, you know, to kind of succeed in that space. Right, right. So given that, you know, you've been in this space for quite some time, um, is this yeah. something that you will also tell your younger self? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very yeah. honest. I mean, uh, you know, when, when you're young, you can try, you mm. can try many things, right? But I you know the older you mm. get, I feel, uh, then you really want to kind of focus and, and make sure that, you know, you yep. um, play to your strengths as much yep. as possible. Yeah. 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 I, I see where you're, you know, you're coming from in terms of like also kind of specializing and being kind of almost like a, um, you know, a, a, a someone that really has strong, strong experience within the industry thing. So I guess you see yourself kind of growing and staying in the industry as well. Okay. Wow. 
So I guess um, Mark, you have successfully influenced someone in your teaching days <laughs> uh, <laughs> to a certain extent, I guess. I'm not sure how how much of it is to my credit, but uh, Kenneth's an outstanding person um, just by yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. preparing so, from this, I feel that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but Jamin, actually, I just wanted to pick up on, on on just a single word that you just brought up, right? About specialist. Um, I mm. it, it's quite interesting that in in uh, in our context in this bi- biomedical field, um, perhaps we we should actually be looking at more generalist. Um, and I I okay. think that's um. There's there's a great book right by um, by David Epstein called Range and uh, it's talking about how generalists triumph in a specialist uh, in the specialist world as well, but I, I think much more so in the health and biomedical sector that there, there needs to be a very big picture kind of awareness about uh, uh, surrounding business functions and the, the mm. whole context of it. So so one of the pet phrases that I like to tell my students nowadays that I, I try not to teach content uh, because mm. I suppose content can be downloaded. <laughs> Um, but I try to give them opportunities for them to learn context, mm. uh, to really immerse in your uh, in, the, in the environment, to to think like a doctor, work with the nurses, um, you know, just just get uh, immersed in this this healthcare environment, right? Um, in order to understand, you know, what the impacts of what you're doing. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, sorry, is it really long long winded? But I suppose the the whole point that I'm trying to make is that. Um, Perhaps uh, rather than the pure specialist, I, I think there are roles for specialists as well. Um, but uh, the role of the of, of being able to be more general in nature um, is, is somewhat underplayed. And I, I suppose that's where biomedical engineering uh, is, is kind of like, um, many people feel like we are teaching a little bit of everything, right? But uh, in I, I suppose it's, it's that kind of training and uh, willingness to, to kind of a code switch in a way, uh, like what Kenneth was referring to. Right, right. Um, I think yeah, it makes sense. That's that's mm. that's where we are trying to push people to it. Yeah, I yeah, think that, that, I think that generally, yeah, yeah. Go on, Kenneth. Even in a in a bigger company, right? I think you need like mm. a common lexicon, you know, like for marketing, <laughs> for technical <laughs> operations, for software development guys to talk around. You know, making sure we're talking yeah. about the same thing. An agreement, you know, of course, mm. um, you know, they will come from different angles, right? You know, how do I mm. market, how do I sell this solution, you know, and you know, how do I build this so that you know you can uh market it as such and such, mm. right? And then you know, like from a clinical standpoint, you know, is, it, is it safe? Is it efficacious? Yep. You know, are we like uh you know, do we have like the right regulatory considerations from building this software? So I think that's where that kind of context, you know, even in uh day-to-day. Uh, kind of format is very important, you know, yeah, because yeah. everybody must be aligned, you know, if not, uh, you know, you can be quite disastrous. <laughs> yeah, understandably so, especially when you're building products that actual human beings are using, um, the impact is very, very tremendous. Um, yeah, so I, I do I do get that. And I, I th- and I believe like what you guys both mentioned, the context is definitely far more important than the content because I think with the right context, building in the right context, the content will naturally come. But the the context is like the the premise, right? So if the premise and the boundaries is not there, then I think probably there's no point talking about content. And yeah, I think all very, really, really interesting points that you guys have brought up today. And um, you know, 
from I think um you know from really like the academia standpoint to the industry standpoint that you know what kind of shared. It's all very relevant towards you know um what people are you know trying to know about medtech industry. Um, how do how do you know for example Singapore develop this kind of talents and how can people and and organizations that kind of is in like you know obvious health how can they find the right talents as well. So definitely very very interesting points that you guys have brought up. And um yeah I think that's all the time that we have for today. So I really really appreciate you guys for you know uh, taking your time and providing my my audience and myself with you know all the knowledge and insight within the medtech ecosystem. It's very very insightful and I myself learned a lot because I'm not someone with you know medtech experience but I'm sure you know if I myself with no experience um can understand what you guys are talking about and gain some nuggets of information and wisdom I'm sure a lot of people would have a lot to gain from today's episode. So thank you so much for taking the time and you know thank you to my lovely audience for you know um tuning into this episode of podcast and uh, you know till next time we'll see you guys. Thank you. Thank you.